Lord today. Today we're looking in the book of John chapter number 20 this morning. We're going to begin with John chapter number 20 in just a moment. Well, the staff thought that this being Resurrection Sunday, the most important Sunday of the year, they thought it would be good to have a, a special speaker today to come and, and minister. And so, so the staff called the, the best preacher in the entire world. And asked him if he would speak to us today. And he said no. And yeah, so then they thought, well, well, we'll call the smartest preacher in the world. And they called him and he said no. And so then they called the best looking preacher in the whole world. And asked him if he would preach. And he said no as well. And so since the best preacher in the world and the smartest preacher in the world and the Best looking preacher in the world said no. They asked me if I would speak. Hey, since I'd already told them no three times already, I, called, I just said, okay, I'll speak. Amen. Well, we're having a good time in the Lord's house, aren't we? Amen. How many are glad today? Not only for the life and the death, but also the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. In the book of John, chapter number 20, this morning, the book of St. John, chapter number 20, and verse number 19, we're going to begin reading this morning. It says that then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and he stood in the midst. And he said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace to you, as the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them, and he said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. And if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Verse 24, now Thomas called the twin. One of the twelve was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said to him, we have seen the Lord. He said to them, unless I see in his hands the print of of the nails, and unless I put my finger into the print of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Well, after eight days, his disciples were again inside, and Thomas was with them. Jesus came, the doors being shut, and he stood in the midst, and he said, Peace to you. Then he said to Thomas, Reach your finger here, and look at my hands, and reach your hand here, and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord, And my God. Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. For the theme of our message this morning, we're finding it in verse number 27. Jesus said to Thomas, reach your finger here and look at my hands. And reach your hand here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving. But believing. We're going to talk about 
scars today. by saying, unless I see him personally, unless I see the scars that remain from his crucifixion, only when I see him and his scars, only then will I believe. I want us to talk a little bit about scars today. You see, much can be learned by examining scars. In fact, there are three things that I want to suggest to you about scars. First of all, I want us to notice that scars tell a story. Scars tell a story. Every one of us here today have our share of scars, and each and every scar tells a story. I have more than my share of scars. In fact, when I was a a boy, I was an accident waiting to happen. I have a huge scar On my right leg where I fell off of a porch when I was a little boy knocking off a gallon jar and and it burst and cut me deep and long. I have a scar on my stomach where I fell as as just a little bitty boy, a little infant. I I fell on 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 a hot floor furnace and burned myself. I have a scar on my right hip where I fell on a garden tube. I have a scar on my head that I got from riding a pig. <laughs> you heard me right. I, I rode a pig. We lived in the country for a while when I was a little boy. And, and we had some pigs and I rode those pigs. I mean, Green Acres had nothing on us. My mischievous grandpa told me, he said, he said, Mike, he said, he said, get on those pigs, he said, and he said, grab their ears with one hand and their tail with the other and ride those pigs. (laughs) Grandpa told me to. My father knew what I was doing and my father told me, he said, son, whatever you do, son, whatever you do, don't ride the old sow. Because son, she's mean. And she'll hurt you. And being the obedient child that I was, <laughs> I ignored my father's warning and I mounted the old sow. But before that I could grab her ears and her tail, she took off running around the hog pit. I was falling off of her and as I was, she ran me into the side of the fence that was made of tin and, and boards. There was a nail that was... That was uh, sticking out of one of those boards in it, and it ripped my head open, and I began to bleed. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, now, Pastor, you're too hard-headed. Uh, you're too hard-headed to, to, to bleed, but, but my head wasn't nearly as hard back then. You see, that, that was back before I, uh, I started bumping heads with a bunch of hard-headed church people. Amen. <laughs> All of us have scars, and our scars tell A story. The scars of Jesus tell his story. Thomas said, unless I see his scars, only then will I believe.
Scars of Jesus tell us his story. Three things they tell us about him. First of all, they tell us about his life. His scars tell us that he was human. The Son of God could not be bruised. Jesus, the Son of God, he he could not be wounded. He could not be hurt. That's why Jesus, Son of God, became Jesus, Son of Man. Philippians chapter 2 verse 6 and 7 says, Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges and took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. Friend, Jesus wasn't half man and half God. No, he was, he was 100% God and he was 100% man. But he laid aside his his rights and his privileges and his powers as son of God. And when he walked upon the face of this earth, he walked upon earth as son of man. Not only does the scars of Jesus tell us about his life, but but it also tells us about his, his love. You see, true love will produce some scars. I mean, understand that love is often messy. It, it gets complicated sometimes. It's very vulnerable. It can, be, it can be very painful. John 15 and 13, Jesus said, Greater love has no man than this, that a man would be willing to lay down his life for his friends. The scars on the body of Jesus tell the story of his love. The scars on his back tell us how much that he loved the sick. And the scars on his hands and his feet and his side tell us how much that he loves the sinner. Isaiah 53 and 5 said he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. The scars of Jesus tell us his story. They tell us of his life. It tells us of his love. And it tells us of his legacy. We understand that a legacy is something that is handed down or passed on to somebody else. It can also be something that a person is known for. Something that that a person is remembered for. The scars of Jesus reveal his legacy. You You see, he did not come to planet earth for any selfish motive. He didn't live for what he could get out of life. His motto would be a one-word motto, the word others. question is this morning, what will be our legacy? What is it that, that, that we are passing down to those that are watching and those that are learning from us and those that are coming on behind us? What is it that we are going to pass on to them? What is it that we are going to leave with them? Do our scars all come simply from our scratching and clawing our way up the ladder of success? Or do our scars come from the bumps and the bruises of life as we try and make life a little bit easier for those that are coming on behind us? What will our legacy Scars tell a story. The scars of Jesus tell us about his life, about his love, and about his legacy. Not only do scars tell a story, they also teach a lesson. Scars teach a lesson. The scar on my head that I received from writing the old Sal taught me several lessons. First of all, it taught me that 
that pigs are for, are for ham and bacon and sausage and not for riding. That scar taught me that, that Father indeed does know best. It taught me to think before acting. Not only do our own scars teach us a lesson, but, but the scars of other people can teach us a lesson as well. I'm the baby of the family. Let's give it up for the babies of the family this morning. Yeah. I'm the baby of the family. And as the baby of the family, we have, a, we have some advantages that our siblings do not have. That's why we turned out the best. Yeah. yeah, we have some advantages that our older brothers and sisters do not have. First of all, my parents weren't rookies by the time I came along. When my older brother was and my sister was born, uh, you know, that my mom and dad were, were rookies. They, 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 they were first-timers. They didn't know what in the world they were doing. And so they were just practicing on my older brothers and my older, older sister. And by the time I came along, they knew a little bit about what they were doing. Because they had already practiced. Secondly, I, I, I had a front-row seat to all of my older siblings' mess-ups. I could sit back and watch. And I watched them one by one and I watched what they did and what they didn't do. And I watched how my parents reacted to their mess-ups and I learned just how far I could go. Some of the scars that my older siblings have, I don't have because I, I learned some lessons from their scars. We can learn both good as well as some bad lessons from the scars of others. Some of our scars could have been avoided. We have some scars upon us today and, and we could have avoided those scars. But we wouldn't have had the experience either. How many understand sometimes the experience is worth the scar that comes along with it? Let me suggest three valuable lessons that we can learn from the scars of Jesus. First of all, we can learn to be unselfish. The scars that Jesus has did not happen to him because like me riding the pig, I, I was trying to experience a thrill. A thrill. His scar did not come about because like, like some people who, who were involved in something that they should not have been involved in, they ended up with a scar. But friend, his scars teach a lesson in unselfishness. The scars on his back were for the healing of the saints. The scars in his hands and feet and side were for the salvation of the sinner. What about our scars today? Do we have any scars that represent unselfishness? Or do all of our scars represent selfish and foolish and even disobedient acts? Scars teach a lesson. The scars of Jesus teach us not only to be unselfish, but, but the scars of Jesus also teach us to be uncompromising. You see, Jesus knew what his mission on earth was. 
He knew that, that He came to earth to do for man what man could never ever do for Himself. Jesus knew that He had to live a sinless life. He knew that He had to die on the cross. Oh, having the sin of all mankind placed upon Him and then be resurrected from the dead. I submit to you today that as Son of God, He was prepared. As Son of God, He was prepared. He knew before He ever came. He knew. He knew before He ever consented. He knew in advance. He knew what He was in for. He knew. He knew what was ahead for Him. As Son of God, He was prepared. As Son of Man, He was petrified. Luke chapter number 22. Luke chapter number 22 and verse number 40. When Jesus came to the place, He said to them, Pray that you may not enter into temptation. And He was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw, and He knelt down and prayed. And He prayed, Father, if it is, if it is Your will, take this cup away from Me. Nevertheless, not My will. Yours be done. And an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, so earnest that his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. Look up. The cup of Gethsemane was so terrifying to Jesus that just the mere thought of it placed him in so much agony that his sweat literally became blood. What in the world could be so bad that could cause someone to be so in so much anguish? Their sweat would turn to blood. Let me suggest the cup of Gethsemane was nothing less, friend, than the sin of all mankind, of all past and present and future age, somehow, miraculously placed in that cup that Jesus would have to drink. And let me suggest to you today that in this cup was a representation of that hideous and poisonous defiling, degrading, demeaning, death-dealing character called sin. And Jesus, the Holy Son of God, perfect and sinless and pure, faced the prospect that He would have to drink the bitter cup. It was beyond all human imagination in both Quality and quantity. I believe that in that cup was all of the selfishness and all of the greed of all mankind. In that cup that Jesus would have to drink was the brutality of all evil men. The the heartlessness of all child molesters and abusers. 
Somehow, miraculously, in this cup, all sexual perversion, all the sin of drunkards and pimps and pushers and prostitutes, and envy and jealousy and malice and pride and prejudice and pornography, and the list goes on and on and on and on. And every sin that had ever been committed and every sin that ever would be committed was somehow supernaturally placed in the cup that Jesus, the Holy Son of God, would have to drink. No wonder he resisted it for three solid hours crying out in anguish. If there be any other way than this, let this cup pass. We're here today. We're here today. Our sins are forgiven and washed away. We are here today because in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus ended the prayer and He said, Father, nevertheless, not my will, but Your will. And in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus drank the cup. And on the cross, Isaiah 53 and 6 says the Lord has laid on him on who? Why are you carrying your sin? Why are you living in guilt over past forgiven sin? The Lord has laid on him the iniquity. You look at the scars of Jesus, you learn some very valuable lessons. The scars of Jesus teach us to be uncompromising. He was tempted to compromise. He was tempted not to drink the cup of Gethsemane. But he knew his compromise would have spoiled God's salvation plan. And so Jesus knew that he had to drink the cup. He knew that he had to die on the cross. He knew that he had to take all of our sin upon himself. Romans 5, 18 and 19 says that Adam's one sin brought condemnation to everybody. Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and new life for everybody. Because one person disobeyed God, many become sinners. But because one other person obeyed God, many will be made righteous. But not only do the scars of Jesus teach us to be unselfish and uncompromising, but His scars also teach us to be unique. To be unique. You see, no other man has scars in his hands and his feet that were put there, not because of something that he had done, but because what somebody else had done. The two thieves that were crucified alongside of Jesus, they too would have, would, have, would have scars in their hands and in their feet. But they were dying, those scars, they were dying for the crimes they had committed. Jesus was crucified, not because of his sin, but because of the sin of man. I ask you this morning, do we have any scars that are unique to us? Or are we just a carbon copy of everybody When people see our scars, is there a lesson they can learn? 
talking about scars today. Scars, first of all, scars tell a story and, and scars teach a lesson. But let me, let me also suggest today that scars touch a life. It's hard to understand how people feel unless you yourself have experienced what they are experiencing. It's very easy to criticize how people react to their problems when we ourselves have never gone through what, they're not, what they are now going through. And I'm very, very careful never to say to people, I know how you feel unless I have experienced, unless I have gone through what they are going through. You will never hear me say, I know how you feel. You see, I, I have never had to walk through divorce, so I don't know how it feels. I've never felt the sting and the heartache of an unfaithful spouse, so I don't know how that feels. I've never had to bury a child. I've not even had to bury my own parents yet. My kids did not rebel. I haven't walked through bankruptcy. And let me tell you that I thank God for all of this. But for the grace of God, there go I. Not to brag on myself this morning. I'm simply saying that I don't know how you feel unless I have felt through experience what you are feeling. Is my life perfect? Absolutely not. Have I had my share of bumps and bruises? Yes. But there are many scars that others have that I do not have. And I have some scars that others do not have. Scars touch lives. Scars are a symbol of what's left of some very traumatic events in our lives. Let me suggest this morning, scars touch lives, first of all, negatively. Because some people focus on their scars. Their entire life is focused on their scars. They never get fully healed because of their constant focus on the scars. They remind me of a little boy who falls down and skins his knee and his mama kisses him and brushes away the tears and his mama cleans the wound and his mama puts medicine in the wound and a band-aid on it and very quickly a scab appears. And if that little guy will just simply ignore the scab, it will, it will eventually fall off in a few days and he would be all better. But invariably, as all little boys, he must pick and pick and pick at the scab. And when it's just about healed, he'll pick it again. And every time he picks at the scab, it begins to bleed all over again. And therefore, it cannot heal. Let me encourage you today. Stop focusing on your scars. And stop picking the scab off your wounds. And some people remind me of a little boy who... who Oh, who loves to show off his scars? Oh, little boys and little girls, 
live to show off their scars. They are, co- they are constantly pointing to their scars. Constantly pointing to their boo-boos. And that reminds them of the accident or the wound or what happened. And they constantly rehearse. Oh, and that's the way people are too. They constantly rehearse their, pe- their hurt to people over and over and over and over again. And therefore, they are unable to get over it. It might have been five years ago, maybe 10, 15, 20, 25 years ago. But to them, it is as fresh as yesterday. Amen. Because of the constant rehearsing of it. Stop talking about past hurts. Stop talking about past wounds. Let it be the past. Stop showing your owies to everybody. Scars touch lives. Not only negatively, but also positively. Hebrews 4 and 15 says that Jesus understands our weakness because he faced the very same things that we face. And Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 1 and 4, Speaking of Jesus, He comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort others when they are troubled. We will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. Scars touch lives. Because of the scars that we carry, which are a badge of our experiences. Because of our scars, we can relate and we can respond to others. Nobody understands what others are going through like somebody that have the scars to prove it. No one understands someone's pain or hurt or trauma like someone who has gone through it. And so it is with Jesus. Because of the scars of Jesus, He can relate and He can respond and He can redeem us. Scars touch lies and especially the scars of Jesus. Oh, again, the scars on His back brought and bought and paid for our healing. The scars on His hands and on His feet and on His side bought and paid for our salvation. Acts chapter 4 and verse 12 says there's salvation in no one else through no other name but through the name of Jesus Christ can people be saved. Today is Resurrection Sunday. Not only did Jesus, the Son of God, come down to earth from heaven and become the Son of Man, being supernaturally conceived by the Holy Spirit through a virgin named Mary. And not only did Jesus live as man for 33 plus years, not only was He perfect in every way, not only did He never sin, not even once, Not only did He take all of the sin of all mankind upon Himself and die on the cross, paying the sin penalty of all mankind. Not only only gave His life on the cross, experiencing the worst possible death. Not only did they place His dead, lifeless body in a tomb, a a broken and beaten and bruised body, a, a body with many scars. But three days later, this same Jesus walked out of that tomb, a victor over death and over hell.
Revelation 1 and 18, Jesus said, I am he who lives. I was dead, and behold, he said, I am alive forevermore. And he says, I have the keys of hell and of death. Friends, the scars of Jesus don't represent some wounded, beaten down, emotionally scarred person. No, sir. No, sir. The scars of Jesus represent one who has been wounded, one who has been beaten, one who has been abused. But it represents one who came through it all a victor and not a victim. Because He is a victor and not a victim, through Him we too can be victors and not victims. Paul says in Romans 8 and 37, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. He said in 2 Corinthians 2 and 14, thanks be to God who always leads us into triumph through Christ Jesus. Dear Elliot, Right now you are two months from being born. We just found out that you have trisomy 18, also called Edwards Syndrome. Doctors tell us that you won't likely make it to birth. Your mom and I are praying against that. We're praying for healing. We're praying for... My physical scars represent a foolish and adventurous and disobedient little boy. Some of my emotional scars represent unmet needs, unfulfilled dreams, unrealistic expectations. The scars of Jesus, on the other hand, represent his unequaled love for all of us. Ephesians 3 and 19 says, The love of Christ surpasses knowledge. John 15 and 13, Jesus said, Greater love has no man than this, than man would lay down his life for his friends. Every head bowed and every eye closed today. Father, I thank you today that you loved us so much that you sent your one, your only son to come live as man to experience everything man would experience to live above sin to take the sin of mankind upon himself on the cross and die as a substitute for man but your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed this morning I I know this morning if you're here under the sound of my voice today you're not 100% convinced of your salvation if you were to die today you're not 100% convinced that that you'd go to heaven what a miserable way to live and you don't have to live that way Jesus died for you that you could have confidence that you are saved but it's only through His grace and through His blood. And you're here today and you represent what I've described. You're not 100% sure of your salvation. You want to be 100% sure today and you want me to help you to leave here with that conviction today. If that's you, can I see your hand this morning all over this room? Lift it up really high this morning. Let me see. Let me see if you're here today. 
in this room this morning, anyone, anyone here today, just lift your hand up real high. Let me recognize that you've lifted your hand. I will not embarrass you this morning, but I need to know. Not only did the Lord die and raise again in order to buy our salvation, but He also paid the price for our healing. Not only physical healing, but emotional healing. Some of you here today, you have scars. You have all of us have scars, but some of you today, the scars are fresh. For some of you, they are recent. Maybe the scab is not even formed yet. For others of you, it's been days, weeks, months, years. But because you constantly pull at the, pick at the scab, the wound, the scar is as fresh as it was 5, 10, 20 years ago because you constantly pick at it and focus on it. You're here today and you need healing today, you need healing today emotionally or whatever that it might be, you need healing today you need healing for the what those scars represent this morning if that's you this morning, can I see your hands? God bless you God bless you God bless you all over this room this morning how many others this morning, I need healing Father, in the name of Jesus, I just lift up each and every one today, probably a dozen or more people that lifted a hand. 